Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you're joining us for the first time and have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Acts chapter 20 and the other in Ephesians 5. We're in part three of a series called The Next Adventure. And our key verse for the series is Mark chapter four, verse 35. It's Jesus and there's a group of men on the shore and he's standing in a boat and he's preaching to the men on the shore and when he gets done, he says, let us cross over to the other side. So what you have is you have a situation, you have an invitation, and you got a decision, all right? The situation is men standing on the shore, Jesus in the boat. The invitation by Jesus is for men to get in the boat without knowing where they're going, but all they do know is that Jesus is in the boat with them. And then now you have the decision by men. There's only two. Guys will remain on the safety of the shore or they will risk a yes to Jesus's invitation, get in the boat and head into the unknown with him, right? So one small moment in time, probably one choice in thousands of choices that these guys have made up to that point in their life, and then one action, right? Remain or get into the boat. And here's what's at stake. What's at stake is the biggest adventure of their lives or the biggest regret of their lives hinge on the decision and action that they make in one moment. Now, let's fast forward from that moment, three years later, you know, it's like you're watching a movie and there's a pause and then there's a screen and it says, three years later. So let's press the fast forward button. It's three years later, after that one moment, and we encounter a man who remained on the shore, and we encounter a man who risked a yes back in that one moment three years earlier, right? And the man who stayed on the shore recognizes the man who got in the boat. So say, hey, Joe, I think I, I remember you. We were we were standing on that shore and I remember you, you got in the boat with, with Jesus. And uh, so how'd it go? <laughs> Joe says, dude, you're not gonna believe what happened next. Now, if you're joining us in part three, go back to part one where I just kind of detail what happened next. But my point is, is that there is this tension and it's the same for every God's man. It was, it's the same for us as it was for the guys standing on the shore in that situation, being given an invitation and having to make a decision whether to remain on the safety of the shore or risk a yes going into the unknown with Jesus, right? Jesus is going to bring you to the shorelines of relationships and life and work. And he's going to tell you, let's cross over to the other side, right? And he's gonna encourage you to move forward in faith, in his direction, in whatever dimension of your life. He's gonna, he's gonna encourage you to get in the boat with him. It's like a metaphor and trust him and move in his direction without knowing what the consequence 
of that initial action will be. So in the next adventure series, we're simply asking, what does taking spiritual risks look like, right? In the areas of our relationship with God, our relationships with people, and today, our relationship to the body of Christ in the local church. And so if you have the downloaded notes, I want you to take those out. But just to kind of get us thinking in the right direction for today's session, taking spiritual risks in the direction of your relationships in the body of Christ and the local church. The Center for Global Christianity kind of reports every year sort of what's happening with Christianity. Is it shrinking? Is it growing? And in their, in their mid-2023 report, the numbers kind of fall down like this. There's now, in mid-2023, 2.6 billion Christians, right? Now, what's the year-over-year delta? Like, what, where was it in mid-22? Well, the number in mid-22 was 44 million 500,000 people less from the mid-2023 number. So what does that tell you? It tells you that there are 44,500,000 new brothers and sisters in Christ in one year. That is the population of the entire state of California, okay? In one year. So it's like everybody in California, they became a believer in one year that's worldwide, right? That's a, now, now think about that just for a second. 2.6 billion people is roughly one third of the world's population, all right? And most of that growth right now is in Africa and Asia and Latin America. In 2050, the Center for Global Christianity predicts that that number will be at 3.3 billion, right? If, if Jesus tarries. So what is my point? Is that you and I are a part of the global body of Christ. That body is growing. It's not shrinking. Don't believe any news report that tells you that God is dead or Christianity's uh, dying. Just remember, the entire state of California converted, or at least the population, uh, in one year in the world. Now, where did all that start, right? Well, it started back with Jesus spending three years with 12 guys, and we're now into 21 centuries of movement. Isn't that insane? Three years, 12 dudes, 21 centuries of expansion. Not a bad movement, right? And this, this track, right? Jesus spends time with the 12, but then he predicts that through those 12 guys, there's gonna be a movement that leads to those numbers I just, I just mentioned. That starts in Acts chapter, two, 14, Acts chapter two, verse 14, where it says, and Peter, right? Number one, stood with the 11, okay? So one plus 11 is 12, right? And then what you see is a city swell from 40,000 people in Jerusalem to 240,000 people. And then you see Christians 
regularly gather, regularly um, hear the word, regularly fellowship, and regularly minister to the community in the book of Acts. And the reason I'm painting this picture before we get into part three, which is your next adventure in the body of Christ, is I want you to see the, the scale. I want you to see where it started. I want you to see the initial forces of inception and who is there and what happened because the initial forces of inception for the birth of the body of Christ worldwide started with spirit-empowered men setting the pattern. Okay, so that's the model. When you read the Bible, you, you see models and patterns, and what, what God models for us is meant for us when it comes to the local church. And so in your downloaded notes, our first scripture is, is uh, the first example uh, of Christians getting together to fellowship and to hear the word of God. And the context is uh, the apostle Paul is in Troas. He's leaving and he knew that he might never see them again, all right? And I want you to listen for this dude in the passage, his name, is uh, Eutychus, all right? So it's the Apostle Paul, they're meeting, and there's a guy there, and he's, let's just say he's in the bleacher seat, right? And he's struggling to stay awake. All right, let's read the passage. Acts chapter 20, verses seven to 12. We met on Sunday to worship and celebrate the Master's Supper. Paul addressed the congregation. Our plan was to leave first thing in the morning, but Paul talked on. Way past midnight, we were meeting in a well-lighted upper room. A young man named Eutychus was sitting in an open window. As Paul went on and on, Eutychus fell sound asleep and toppled out of the third-story window. When they picked him up, he was dead. And Paul went down, he stretched himself on him and hugged him hard. No more crying, he said. There's life in him yet. Then Paul got up and served the master's supper and went on telling stories of faith until dawn. On that note, they left, Paul going one way, the congregation another, leading the boy off alive and full of life themselves. So let's just observe just what is in this passage in Acts chapter 20, all right? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, Eutychus, the dude, is asleep in the church. It's kind of a funny sort of, of scene there. Eutychus is asleep in the church. Secondly, write this down, Eutychus is half in and half out, right? He's half in and half out. And just kind of pausing right there, asleep, half in, half out. You know what? That's not a bad metaphor for God's men in the body of Christ worldwide, right? That's why I wrote the book, Sleeping Giant, right? There are 800, roughly 860 million men in the church today, and they're like this sleeping giant, right? They're kind of half in, half out. They go you know, they're affiliated. They, they would call themselves a Christian, but they're affiliated. They're not really activated. Their energy 
is just not there. I mean, like that's for the women and the kids. We're tagging along. We're dotted line uh, connected, right? They're, but their energy just isn't there. They're like a sleeping giant in the church, right? Now let's go on, all right? So there's your metaphor. Men asleep in the church, men half in, half out, like Eutychus. Number three observation, Eutychus has no energy left to give, right? Clearly, um, he has been at work or has been working or he's just been expending, expending his energy, you know, else, elsewhere, and it's Sunday, okay? It's Sunday, and uh, that was a regular, that was a work day back in the first century, and uh, he's just, he's got nothing, all right? Number four, Eutychus needs man-on-man -man attention, okay? That's just what is, right? He's got no energy, he's asleep in church, he's half in, half out, and he falls out the window, right? Now he needs the church, he needs the man of God, right? He needs man-on-man -man attention, and man-on-man, -man, literally, Paul stretching out his body and hugging this dead man, he comes alive. There's a lot there on that one. And man, does that ever preach, men. Needing man-on-man -man attention, men coming alive. And then lastly, write this down. Uh, Eutychus comes alive in church, very important, which fills others with life, okay? That's what the Bible says, right? They led the boy off the life and full of life themselves. You know what happens, guys? when men come alive in the church today, and I've seen it, the whole church comes alive. Why? Because men are the highest flight demographic from church. Men are 30% in all categories of spiritual disciplines and service behind women in the church. We're not leading, but in those rare churches and in those rare communities filled with rare men who they're not asleep, they're all in, their energy is there. Men are getting man-on-man -man attention from lead pastors, there's investment in the men. The men come alive in the church and you know what? It fills the women and children with life because the men are awake. I mean, maybe Paul had Eutychus in mind, maybe Paul has you in mind, maybe Paul has men in the body of Christ in mind as the type of believer when he wrote to Christians at the church of Ephesus. It's on your notes, Ephesians 5.14, where he says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, who's the sleeper? Well, like Eutychus, the sleeper is the affiliated but not activated believer, right? It's bleacher guy. Okay, last in, first out, no energy left. All his energy's going to, to work and other things and other hobbies and other recreations, except when this guy's in crisis. Then he needs man-on-man -man attention, and then that guy comes alive in church, which fills others with life. That is really the crux of the dangerous good movement that I talk about. It's men coming alive. 
men getting all in, men being transformed on the inside by the Spirit of God and becoming like Christ. And as people see that, they come alive themselves as the sleeping giant wakes up. So in our series, in part three, we're talking about the next adventure in your relationship to, to the body of Christ and, and the church. And so now what we need to do is what we've done in parts one and two. Let's, let's spell out what the other side of your connection to church could look like. And so many of you are listening and um, there's thousands and thousands of guys around the world listening. And you might be in a small church, you might be in a house church like the one here, you might be in a mega church, doesn't matter. But it's, it, there are certain things that, that, that God desires of you in your connection to the local church. And there's some of you who aren't connected to the local church. And this is a big deal because you cannot experience God's full purposes for your life apart from a connection to his body. You're cut off to his local church. So let's just uh, identify some themes that, that show us what we need to do to experience the next adventure in our connection to church. Number one, it's time to lean in to the word being preached at church. You know, I look at this and I remember moving to California in 1989 and being at the same church for 25 years. And um, we would get notes like the ones you're using right now, except for they weren't downloaded on the internet. They were handed to you at the door as you walked into church. And um, if you were to go to my house right now, you could find 25 years of messages, three binders full of notes, right? And then in the church that I have been attending for the last eight years, I have a, a note tablet that digitally takes notes. You could go find weekend messages and you could click that and you would see that there's over 400 pages of notes and that's just in the last couple of years. So what, what am I saying? I'm not making light of the fact that, you know, I'm kind of a, a note taker. What I'm making light of is that when the word of God is being preached in your local church, all right, as a man of God, you need to lean in. Let's read Romans 10, 17 together. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You see that? The word plus your faith comes for where you live in your local church, right? And the two combined is the will of God. It's when we have regular gatherings and regular revelation and regular hearing. Now, let me talk about podcasts for one second. I love podcasts. My wife loves podcasts. Most of my friends, they love podcasts. You can listen to Luke Giglio in Atlanta. You can listen to Stephen Furtick in, in, in North Carolina. You can listen to John Tyson in New York City. You can listen to John Mark Comer and his pod. You, but let me just say this. Those podcasts are not a substitute for the living word of God coming to you from your pastor, and your teacher in your local church, in your local community where you live. You see, God's kingdom outposts are the local churches, big and small, all over the world. 
And God has a vision for those local churches in local communities. When we listen to podcasts, which may have great information, but have no vision for our local community, right? There's a disconnect there. That's why you have the local church, because someone has been given a local vision in the local church for your local uh, community. And that's why you need to lean in to the word being preached at your local church. Listen to what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. So the local church is for regular gathering, regular preaching, the revelation of God's word, and regular application for the local person, for the local community, for your local situation. It is geographically specific because there is a vision for that geography for that local church to express the great commandment and the great commission in that context right so it's really important but if we're if we're listening to people all the time who have no presence in our local community who have no real concern for their local community because their podcast is is really being preached to their church that's in their local community and then you're just listening in, or I'm just listening in, you know what happens to that word? Um, it might be good, it might grow you, but it's not gonna have an impact on other people, which is the commission of the local church, okay? So again, lean into the word being preached at your local church. Regular gatherings, like we see in the Bible. Regular preaching, like we see in the Bible. Regular revelation of God's word, like we see in the Bible, with regular application because the purpose of hearing revelation in the local church is application in the local life and community. So what's the other side? What's the next adventure in your connection to church? Lean in and you'll go on the next adventure. Number two, it's time to think about and act toward church like Jesus. Okay, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27, but I want to give you a little context. What's being compared here is Jesus's energy, Jesus's passion, Jesus's service uh, for the church, and that's being compared to the energy, passion, and service a husband is supposed to have for his wife. Super cool. So you have kind of two themes. You have, you have Jesus and his relationship with church, and then you have marriage and the model Jesus sets for his energy, passion, and service for his wife. We're going to focus on Jesus's energy in the church. Just listen for how that is described in Ephesians 5, 25, 27. Ready? It says this, go all out in your love for your wives. Exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the whole church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. Wow. 
So what does that passage say about Jesus's energy getting expressed toward the church, all right? He goes all out for the church. He gives to the church his presence, right? His person. He makes the church healthier and whole so that it has integrity. That's the word integrity means, undivided, whole, healthy, right? Jesus brings out the best in the church. How does he do that? He adds his character to it, which is holiness. He adds his holiness to the church. Now, that's a simple reading of this passage that describes how Jesus thinks about and how Jesus acts toward the church. So let's make a conclusion and an application. This is Jesus. Jesus is in you. This is you. If you're becoming like Christ, then your energy for the local church is high like Jesus. Your passion for the local church is high like Jesus's. If your service in the local church is high like Jesus, he, he gives to the church. He makes it healthier and whole. He brings out the best in the local church. He adds his character of holiness to the church. This is Jesus. Jesus is in you. Is this you? Really important question um, to answer. So it's time to lean in to preaching in the local church and your local body of Christ. It's time to think and act toward the local church the way Jesus is. Number three, it's time to experience God speaking in community with other brothers. It's time to experience God speaking in community with other brothers. Now, before we get to our verse in Acts chapter 13, there's another Old Testament verse that I love. It's Psalm 133. It says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the oil of the Lord flowing from one man to another man. And there, the Bible says, the Lord commands blessing. It's a passage about the literal presence of God coming into spaces where God's men, like-minded, worshiping the Lord, where they're together, he comes into that space and he starts moving powerfully and commanding blessings. Now, fast forward from the Old Testament to the New Testament, to the church in Antioch, where we see in Acts chapter 13, we're seeing a lot of first in the book of Acts, we're seeing the first regular meetings on Sunday, in upper rooms and buildings. Their buildings didn't come along until the mid second century. But we're seeing house churches, upper rooms, third floor upper rooms being used for church. And then we see men's groups in the local church. Let's read about the first one we see in the Bible in Acts chapter 13, verses one through three. It says this, now in the church at Antioch, there were Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Do you get the picture? These guys are in community. 
okay? Key phrase, in community with other men of God, they are creating space for the Holy Spirit to move in their midst. By doing what? By worshiping the Lord, by praying together, by fasting. What happens? God himself enters that space. God himself begins to speak. God himself begins to call certain men to the next adventure. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called him. And then the other men hear the same word. And, 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 and after they pray some more and they worship some more, these other men gather around this announcement and the men who for in that moment God has spoken to and has called them and they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Man, what a picture of the body of Christ in community, creating space for the Holy Spirit to move through spiritual disciplines and God speaking into that. Can I just say something to every single man listening to the sound of my voice, watching this men's global live spring? It's this, the body of Christ is smart for you and has your best interest in mind and you should be connected to it. You know who's not smart for you and who does not have your interest in mind? The devil and the world. But yet we spend so much time in his communities that he's created out there that are godless at the expense of God-ordained models in communities where God can speak to us. Instead, we listen to our flesh. Instead, we listen to the voices out there in culture and they get us all chaotic and turbulent inside. None of God's plan is being spoken to us through a godless world. Right? And then the enemy is right there, hoping in, that you'll stay out of the kind of community we see happening at the church at Antioch in Acts 13, and hoping you'll stay in you know, the, the other communities where Christ isn't at the center, or where Christ's really not a part of it. Right? The body of Christ is who's smart and good for you. The Holy Spirit is inside of other men that you're in community with, and they are smart for you, and they're listening to the Lord. So guys, it's time to experience God speaking in community with other brothers. Number four, it's time to come alive in prayer. It's time to come alive in prayer. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse eight. In every place of worship, the local church, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Man, if that isn't a verse for the men of God worldwide today, I don't know what is because there is so much anger and controversy uh, directed at men who are not in fellowship with, with other men. They're not leaning into God's preaching and activating um, in the local church. And they're not thinking and acting toward the local church like Jesus did. But man, listen to, look at what that says. Free and united. I want, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Those things divide, 
right? So what would the world be like if 860 million men who named the name of Jesus, one by one, focused on what God is up to and not man? Just saying, okay? I had a situation that, that came up, and this is just a real, let's dial in, let's, this is, that's a big, 860 million is a big number, but we need to dial it down into a little small group, maybe your small group, you know. I'm, I have a board, there, it's filled with godly men. We come together, we meet, like these guys in Acts 13, we pray, we fast, we seek the Lord, because we need to hear God speak about this movement called the Dangerous Good Movement, speak to us about the outreaches of every man ministry. We need God's provision. We need God to show us what resources you need. We need God uh, to show us what stories we're gonna tell through film to, to encourage you as a man of faith. We need God to uh, show us what music to create so that we can have anthems, right? For, for you to sing out and worship to God. You see how just, I have to live this out. But we came together for a board meeting and we're praying and we're reading God's word and we're unifying around God's purpose and guess what? God begins to speak. And one of the board members just says, this is what the Lord is saying. And bam, 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 bam. And as the guy who founded this thing 20 some years ago, I'm just, I can't write fast enough. I'm just like, this is the word of the Lord, you know? And guess what? As I am talking to you today, I am living out of the prophetic word that came into that space just in the room next door to the Everyman Broadcast Center. I'm living out of that promise that was spoken and I'm living that revelation. So I wanna share that just to say, it doesn't matter if you have a, a men's group of five or a men's group of 20, or, but you need to get into a men's group so that you too can hear God speaks so that you too can open God's word, so that you too can pray and then someone can have a word for you that you can live out of, they can anoint you, put their hands on you, and you can start moving, right? That's why I'm telling you, it's time, guys, to come alive in prayer in the local church. Now, listen to the church pray in a cultural time that is not so different than ours in terms of Christianity and culture, right? And listen to the church pray in the midst of, not in the absence of a hostile culture. Listen to this prayer, Acts 4, this is the local church praying, 29 to 31. Quote, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's a phenomenon. How did that happen? Regular gathering, regular hearing of God's word, regular attitude toward the local church as Jesus had, regular experience of God speaking in community and the dominoes fall and they come alive in prayer. You see, this is exactly what Jesus wants. Let's read Luke 19, 46 together. Ready? It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it 
a den of robbers. Do you see how the church, and this is so germane and relevant for what's going on today. The church can be a place where people are in it for themselves, and that includes pastors, okay? They can be in it for the visibility, the position. They can be in it for the power. They can be in it for what they can get from it, all in the name of God, which is terrifying to me. It can be a place where Christians are in it for themselves, where God's, you know, an accessory. You know, it's, 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 it's a place where, you know, they have, they have other dimensions of their life and they seek out things. And this is, you know, God's just a, a, a piece of their life puzzle. You know, he's, he's an accessory. You know, they got, they got their God dimension of their life and they have their work dimension and they have their recreational dimension and they have their, their social dimension, right? And, they, and he's a dimension. He's not their life. So it could just be a place where God, you know, follows them around, right? Or... God's house, your local church, can be a, a place where God is pursued. Not, not where people are in it and asking God to present, where they're pursuing God in prayer like we read about in Acts 13, like we read about in Acts chapter 4, where people lean in and then live out the word that is preached, where they think and act toward the church like Jesus did, all out, giving, not taking, right? Bringing integrity and wholeness and health, right? Bringing out the best because of the character that they add, right? They ex people are experiencing God speak to them and they're coming alive in prayer through community with other believers, right? I want you to just listen to Jesus speak about the local church and his men. This is not in your notes, but it is from Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says this to his guys in advance of the church, the local church being birthed, knowing what it would look like. Okay, so this is sort of like a prophetic word to Peter and the boys that describes exactly what happens and exactly what we've just gone through in the book of Acts, right? Jesus says this, I also say to you, Simon, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. You see a picture of Jesus giving spiritual authority to his followers, which they would deploy in a real city, in real time, on a real local level, through prayer, they would be moving and shifting environments and spaces through prayer toward God, his kingdom, and his purposes. That's that whole picture of binding and loosing, but it's a picture of men with delegated spiritual authority who are in community and they're expressing their spiritual authority in the spaces and places they find themselves in their context, right? Displacing evil agendas and replacing it, listen, with God's agenda. So guys, this is... This is not a suggestion. This is really a command, right? We hear from Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, 
right? God wants to take you on the next adventure. You're going to get, you, some of you are at the shoreline of an intersection of your relationship with the local church. And, and guess what? Just like people are good and bad, families are good and bad, marriages are good and bad, and you are good and bad. Churches aren't perfect, they're good and bad, okay? So Satan wants you to believe uh, some little quirk or have you become you know, a critic and a cynic, because that's what happens to critics, they become cynics. And they can pick out and point out the gaps or the flaws in any organization in any person, okay? Jesus died for the church, Jesus knows the church is full of imperfect sinful people imperfect sinful leaders, imperfect sinful families. Yet, he chooses to glorify himself using imperfect right, vessels and people and organizations because then the rest of the world will know that it's not the people who are imperfect, but it's the Lord using imperfect people. So a lot of you are at the shore of your relationship with church. Where are you gonna go? You're gonna get in the boat with Jesus? You're gonna think and act toward the church like Jesus? Right, who, who went? all out. Right now, I want you to put your pencils down wherever you are. If you're on a run listening through your, your AirPods, I want you to just kind of stop for a second and don't be embarrassed. Take a knee. Just get off the trail or, or take a knee right now where you are. If you're in your house, I want you to get on your knees. Whatever space that you occupy, and I want you to agree with me right now in prayer for you. Jesus, I know that your spirit is activating the sleeping giant around the world. These are your sons. These are men of God. Lord, there's, there's almost a billion of us. And Lord, evil wouldn't stand a chance if we activated and we connected and got together with each other if we leaned in to the preaching of your word where we live, if we thought and acted like you, Jesus, toward the local church, if we experienced community and if we came alive in prayer, God, you are calling every man at the other end of my voice to these things. So Lord, help that man in faith go to the other side and enter the next adventure of his life in relationship to the church. Lord, help him lean in. Lord, help him to think and act like you. Right? Put his best efforts into making his local church better by adding his character and his spiritual gifts and natural gifts. Help him to get into community with some other men on a weekly basis so that he can hear you speak. And help him to come alive in prayer with those same men. Lord, the world is different because of a small group of men who did these things. And so I declare in the spiritual authority that you have given me, in the name of Jesus Christ, to light men on fire through the power of the Holy Spirit right now to give them a vision for the local church they've never had, their part in it, and for the character of Jesus to take over their conduct, that they might set the local church ablaze with revival in a new way that the world has never seen through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. And this I declare and ask 
for them, each man, each group, each local church in the world, so that hell will be defeated and that your love and justice will reign miraculously in those spaces and places that people would see the sleeping giant, God's men come alive and glorify you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name I ask, amen.